four. Good morning and uh, or afternoon or evening. I keep saying good morning because it's morning when we get started, but whatever time it is, wherever you are, uh, thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, today, I am live and on location from beautiful uh, Colonial Williamsburg, and uh, my esteemed colleague, Michael Ray, is uh, live and on location from beautiful Somerset, Kentucky. How's everything, Michael? Do you feel like you're doing it just like the Patriots did it, just, just, like, the, just like the colonists? This, this is how they did podcasts? Yes, I think this is how they would have done it. <laughs> Maybe with a fire in the background, some cast iron skillets. James Madison, this is how he would have podcast. I'm almost <laughs> certain. Thomas Jefferson just down the street from his uh, guest bedroom. I'm sure. Why not? Uh, we are uh, continuing on in our series this morning. And, and, or, and thank you again uh, for, for tuning in with us as we go through this idea of Christians at work and how, um, how we can answer maybe some difficult questions or some struggles or some things that we come across. Um, you know, as I'll give our, our, Full disclaimer, you know, we're, we're by no means experts in any of this stuff. Um, we're just two guys that have been working for a while that have run into some of these problems. And so what we're trying to do is give you some solutions and some Bible answers and some ways that you can look at, um, you know, how, how do you navigate this stuff when it comes up? How do you make decisions? How do you run into these problems? And, you know, we're hoping we can give you some scriptural answers and some guidance that will uh, help you along your path as you're choosing that. And so, uh, Michael, where does that take our, uh, org chart to today? Where, where are we, uh, where do we find ourselves, uh, around the, uh, C-suite or, or building, if you will? Well, Mike, as you remember, for those who are, uh, on the, on the video version of this award-winning production, um, <laughs> we, we've, we've shown this slide a time or two, um, uh, our, our thoughts are kind of centered around Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Um, whatever you do, work at it, work at it with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not for people, because you know that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as the reward. And with that, with that thought in mind, um, and I also might add to that, you know, the sister passage there is Ephesians 6, 6 through 8, um, where it talks about doing the work, not only when someone is watching as people pleasers, uh, but as slaves doing the will of God from the heart. And, and we, we kind of touched on that verse a little bit. You know, if I, if I told you that you're going to be doing the will of God from the heart or doing the will of God from the soul. This would, you'd be assuming I would be talking about a deeply spiritual thing. Um, in context, um, Paul was writing to the Ephesians about their work lives. And so uh, the, the, how we act and how we interact and what we do at work is, is deeply important to our Christian lives and our Christian walks. And it makes sense. We spend a lot of our day there. Right. And so we've taken this, um, we've taken this project of trying to look at different um, uh, different departments within the typical business and talk about some of the unique challenges and uh, responsibilities if you work in that department. And so we, we took a swing at some of, the, some of the issues that exist in the sales department and the accounting department. Um, but today we're going to tackle um, or attempt to tackle some of the issues that, that face um, the human resources department. And, and, you know, that, that is Mike, that, that should uh, affect a lot of our Christian interactions because human, human resources deal with people. And it, it just so happens that, that Christianity also deals with people <laughs> and, and our, our interactions with, with people are critical to our Christian walk 
and obviously they're they're the interactions between and among people are, are critical to business. And so we should expect there to be some overlap here. Um, and I think there definitely is. Yeah, and, and so for, for those of you who have been, been along for a couple of these so far. Um, God, bl- God bless you, first of all. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, <laughs> appreciate your patience. <laughs> appreciate your patience. Um, you know, the first two that we keyed up um, are, of course, kind of our wheelhouse. Um, you know, I'm the sales guy. Michael's the accountant. And so, um, you know, the, that format there was, you know, Michael kind of peppered me with questions in sales and I peppered him with questions in accounting. Um, neither one of us have worked in HR. Uh, most of us, uh, both of us have, you know, generally tried to stay out of the HR office, uh, quite honestly. So uh, what we're going to try to do today is, is kind of a balance of what we did before. Uh, Michael's got some questions, I've got some questions, and we're just going to try to ping pong these things back and forth um, and, and hopefully get to uh, some answers that, that are helpful. So that's going to be our format for today and probably moving forward um, since neither one of us have been in IT or uh, production. Uh, well, you can lightly say what we've done is production, but most of our stuff has been, uh, been in the other areas of the org chart. So we're going to try that a little bit this morning. If it works, we'll keep doing it. If it doesn't, um, we'll scrap it and try something else. Uh, so, Michael, let's, uh, since you were uh, ahead of the curve in preparation, which you always are, uh, <laughs> that good, like a good accountant, um, why don't you start first and, uh, and then and I'll, I'll fire back on the other side. Well, I'll start with the question that, that I think um, is involved in a lot of different departments, but it, but it may hit specifically here in, um, in HR. We, we actually talk about this in, in collection of receivables also. Um, but, but there's, there's this natural tension, I think, for the Christian, um, particularly in this HR department, um, about balancing grace and accountability. And so I'm talking here about employee discipline, um, I guess, primarily. And, you know, at times, um, employees, <laughs> you know, they, they are not performing as, as they are expected to perform. And, and when that happens... If you're if you happen to be in an HR role or in a managerial role dealing with HR issues, you've got a you've got a a difficult situation to balance because um, as as a Christian we we are we are called to grace right we we've been extended grace and we're you know we we are expected to extend grace. Uh, blessed are the merciful. <laughs> um, at the same time, business principles demand some accountability and you know business would say you're only as strong as your weakest link and you're familiar with all those kind of kind of cliches and and so you know it's it it, you know from a business perspective sometimes people have to be demoted sometimes people have to be fired and um obviously you get into some of the same issues and talking about church discipline um but but it is it is a little in, in my mind, it's a little more difficult. We're talking about something that's not sinful necessarily. It's just not productive. <laughs> There's, right. um, and so uh, how do you handle that situation with, a, with an employee who is um, not performing to expectations? And how do you balance the, gr- the expectations for grace and accountability uh, in that relationship? Well, I'm convinced that the principle, the business principle and the principle within the church are, are, are one and the same. And that is really, you know, you, you coach them up or you coach them out. Um, and, and, and when we talk about that is, you know, as 
as, as a Christian, you know, we understand and grace and mercy and we look forward to that, but we also um, very clearly understand that there's going to be judgment and there's going to be justice. There, you know, we're going to have to give an account uh, ultimately of the things that we've done and the things that we've left undone, that that accounting is, is coming at the end of our lives. Um, you know, Jesus talks about uh, there in Matthew that we'll give an account for every careless word that we utter. So, you know, we understand that that's, that's coming. And, and while grace and mercy um, and love are a large part of it, the difficulty is, uh, so is justice. Um, and I think because, you know, in our own lives, uh, we try to delay justice and we absolutely don't want justice. You know, in my life, I don't want justice. <laughs> absolutely not. And anybody that understands scripture knows what we deserve and what justice is. We want grace and we want mercy. Um, but by the same time, we understand that at some point, justice does come. And, and I think that happens in the workplace as well. Um, but I also think it's important within the workplace to understand, um, you know, roles and responsibility, you know, because you're demoted doesn't mean that you're less valuable of an employee. I think we have to create a culture where everybody's valuable. You just, you know, one of the phrases we use at the bank is you just got to be in the right seat on the bus. Doesn't mean you don't belong in the bus, but maybe you shouldn't be driving. Um, maybe you should be, you know, in, in the middle of the bus or in the back of the bus. Um, you know, and, and it's the same thing within the church, right? We all have different gifts. And, you know, if we're, whether we're talking about somebody's gift to uh, lead singing or preach, you know, if, listen, if, if we got a guy that, that wants to lead singing every week, but he can't carry a tune in a bucket, you know, at some point, somebody's got to have a conversation to brother, we love you, but you're just not a song leader. You can lead prayer, you can do a lot of other things really, really good, but song leading just isn't your thing. And I think that's, you know, in the workplace, if you do it right, if you do it with love, if you do it with their best interest in mind, you know, we can move them around. And sometimes the hard conversation, and I've had a few of these, um, you know, with, with employees of mine, is that the best thing for you to do is not work here. This just isn't your gig. You know, it, it doesn't make you a bad person, but not everybody's built for sales and not everybody's built for, you know, face-to-face -face or business-to-business -business sales. It's, it's, it's a rough gig. And, you know, it's just like also, you know, think about people in the accounting department. Listen, if you can't do basic math, you probably can't be in the accounting department, right? We love you, but you can't count. So we're going to have to move you somewhere else. Um, it, it, kind of a funny story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the bank is, is, is involved with uh, Eastern Kentucky University and their uh, athletic programs. And we're a big sponsor and all that. So every Thursday, there's a coach's call. And the coach kind of talks about team they're playing coming up and who they played and how the team's doing and all that jazz. Right. So that's, that's the background coach gets on there and they're asking about a specific player. And he said, yeah, we moved him over to defensive back. We recruited him. We brought him in as receiver kids, very athletic. He's a great kid. He's very coachable, knows his stuff, uh, but he can't catch. <laughs> so it's really hard to play receiver if you can't catch. And he said, so we moved him to defensive back and that way. His drop is a pass breakup. So, you know, it's a win for everybody. <laughs> so, you know, while we're kind of sitting there laughing, I think that principle is exactly right. Like, look, if you can't catch, you can't be a receiver. If you can't count, you can't be in the accounting department. If you can't sell, you can't be in the sales department. That's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. There's other qualities that you have that are fabulous. Let's just figure out where you're going to be the best. Because truth be told, that person who's, who's underperforming in whatever department they're in, are, they're also miserable. Because nobody likes to be the worst person at what they do. Nobody likes to come in every day and do a bad job. I mean, I'm just, I, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, maybe there's 
somebody out there that proved me wrong. But I think if you come in and you do a bad job and the quality of your work getting good and you're not getting any better, I think you're miserable. You're just as miserable as your bosses. So let's figure that out. Um, and I think that's the grace and the mercy solution. Um, and also the grace and mercy solution sometimes is, look, it's just in your gig. You shouldn't work here. Let's help you find out what you're good at and move you over to someplace where you're going to be more successful. Um, so that that's how how I would deal with it. I'll, I'll throw it back at you just a little bit. Any any thoughts there? Anything that you know you've done or seen done that, that that's a little different? I would just dovetail off a couple of things you said there. Um, number one, I, I, in in the experiences where um, you know the most demotion or termination was necessary, and that that I've been involved in. <clears throat> almost uniformly the the person was almost relieved because as as you noted it, the the job performance is not lost on them you know um they they understand um again almost uniformly they understand that they're they're not performing at the right level and and despite coaching and opportunities and and you know it's just as you said it's not the right fit and in that in most cases that employee knows that at least it's been my, my uh, experience. And so uh, understanding that helps me, you know, I'm, I'm an enormous squish as you know. And so I, I'm, I'm, I am not, and, and, and actively avoid confrontation uh, at, at whenever possible. And so these are my least favorite conversations in the workplace, but it does, it is, there's, some comfort in, in knowing that this is not, this is never out of the blue. And by the way, it should never be out of the blue. If we, if we believe in, in any kind of grace and, and to your point justice, there, this has to be after a long series of conversations, I think for sure. And in honest, transparent conversations about job performance and, and, and evaluations. Right. And I think that, uh, that, that should be understood. I, I would also add that I think that um, Christian managers should be more graceful. And then that, that I don't think there should be any any um, surprise about that. They they should, you know, you probably should get one more chance with a Christian uh, manager than you do with a non-Christian. I, I, at least in my judgment, I, I think that that because there is a background of grace and forgiveness there, that's understood. But at the same time, the the business environment demands that the culture, you know, if you're if you've got a a, a good culture even a culture that's built on second and third chances at some point tolerating someone who's defiantly or just, just uh, blatantly underperforming is corrosive. And, and so the, the balance is really in a lot of ways, the responsibility to that individual and the responsibility to the rest of the team. Um, and that that's gotta be considered. That's gotta be considered also. I know that when we've had these conversations privately in the past and you have, you know, coached me to go ahead and have the conversation <laughs> against my, against my, the, the, you know, my nature, you know, the, the, the fact is at some point it has become so, the well has become so poisoned in the current position among the coworkers and in the department that, it's better for the individual. That's the loving thing. It's in the best interest of the individual. It's the agape thing for the individual to move on to something else. And, and so you gotta, you gotta kind of prayerfully take that into consideration. And we, and we, we haven't mentioned prayer here, but I don't know why you would tackle any of these conversations in, without understanding that, 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 that that's important and that you are dealing with somebody's life and take it seriously and pray about it. 
the, the only other thing I'll add is I, I was thinking about this too, is that so we're dealing with, and, and I answer the question, I think you answer the question the same way um, with, with performance issues, underperformance. But we, we all do understand there are some non-negotiables that we've got to walk you off the job for, right? You know, when we're talking about your, you know, the quote is X and you're coming in minus X, that's a coaching thing. We can try to coach you up. We can try to make you better performance-wise. You know, if you try to burn down the company, um, we're going to have to walk you out that day. Sure. Um, if you just like, you know, a preacher theft, embezzlement, you know, just like a preacher from the pulpit, just espouses false doctrine, you know, we're going to stop him. We're not going to let him finish the sermon. You know, you get up there and start saying some nonsense and, you know, there's, there's certain things that are destructive and have to be dealt with immediately and swiftly. So we, I, I think everybody should understand that, but I just want to throw that in there that there are, you know, we're not talking about, all right, you've stolen from us three times, you know, we'll give you one more. Sh-. We're not doing that. Right. There's that, that type of thing's not, not working out. And we wouldn't do that in, in the church environment. And, and there's certain things, you know, again, that, you know, you play with that, um, you know, e- even with God, I mean, we look at the old Testament there, God gives them a lot of rope, but at you, you cross a certain line and, you know, here come the Babylonians. The, the Bible principle, the, the text that I would refer to, at least I think about here, Colossians 4, verse 1, um, masters treat your servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And so I think all we, you know, that kind of golden rule principle that we would want to be treated justly and fairly. Um, and so we got we to gotta keep that in mind in those, in those interactions. So. Okay. Let me uh, let me pivot a little bit, um, but stay in the same same world. So, Michael, how how do you, with the same idea of grace and, and mercy and dealing justly with your employees, how do you balance the budget and bottom line needs of the business? Uh, you know, right? We neither one of us are working for nonprofits, okay? So that I mean, there is assume there has to be a profit um, with the needs of the family. You know, so how how do you come up with what you know? What are appropriate wages for certain jobs? Uh, what's the appropriate uh, employee benefit cost to pay? Um, what, what happens when the work isn't there and you need to um, diminish the workforce? It, it's not necessarily a, um, you know, you're underperforming thing. It's look, we were doing X in production and business has fallen off by 25%. So we need to reduce the workforce by 10 um, so how do you balance all of that in the same idea and world of, of, of grace and mercy? So, you know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't like a lot of these things. I don't think there's a prescription. <laughs> you know, there's not a there is not a biblically mandated minimum wage. There's not a there's not a biblically mandated um, percentage of um, employee benefits. <laughs> There's not, we're not, we're not going to be able to answer those questions precisely. Um, but, but like a lot of things, I think that we are designed to struggle with them. Um, I think that, I think that we are designed, I think it is designed for us to wrestle with these things. Well, I think we're supposed to wrestle with, um, is, is this, again, if, if that decision is within our purview, I think that we're supposed to wrestle with, is this wage appropriate for this job? Uh, there, there are, again, if we're in that capacity to make those decisions, 
there are so many um, verses in the in in both the Old and New Testament that hammer home the idea of you can't do not oppress a worker. Um, and one of the things that the the prophets um, laid on the the Old Testament nation of Israel and Judah was some what they were doing was they were exploiting workers or they were withholding wages or or they were not treating their their workers fairly and i think that again if we are in a position where we are um have, have something to do with compensation i think those verses should weigh on us a little bit um malachi 3 5 there would be judgment on you because you are exploiting workers um deuteronomy 24 14 don't oppress a lowly and poor servant don't pervert justice. Do not withhold wages overnight. Don't don't withhold. Uh, James five in the New Testament, um, the workers are crying out. The the pay that's held back from the workers cries out against you. So there's there's just all of these biblical examples of when a when a worker is not giving is not given fair wages, the the owner or the person in HR whoever's making that decision there is some accountability there. I think that's important. And just to fall back on, you know, state mandated minimum wage or market, whatever. I don't, I don't think that that is a defense um, for not taking those verses seriously and prayerfully considering this. So, I, I, so that's my biblical answer. <clears throat> my, my practical answer just from, and this, feel free to disagree with this. I, I do believe, <laughs> I do believe that Christian Christians in decision-making position here need to take seriously for, and, and I think specifically we're talking here about frontline kind of employees, right? Um, that we need to take seriously what is in the, in the world, in the environment that we live in, what is a living wage? And, and do some study on that and think about that and pray about that, that, and, and obviously you can go to some resources and, and find out what that is and, and, and at least get some, some man's um, interpretation of what a living wage is. But I, you know, I think if, if we have, if we are in that position and we, we are fully aware that a full-time employee is not earning a living wage in our modern environment, I, I think that's something that we need to be thinking about very seriously. Um, especially when we have, when it is, it is not a death nail to the business if we're not doing that. Again, I'm not saying everybody needs to make $150,000 a year, but I do think that if we have the decision-making authority to do so, that exploiting or, or I'm not talking about legal. I think there's always a different moral responsibility than a legal responsibility. I think that morally, if, if we're paying somebody below um, what is truly uh uh, substance living, substance living. I think, I think there's an issue. Uh, that that's, that's my, again, that's just me. I'm not, uh, I'm giving you my position there. Um, but I, I think we need to be thinking about that and praying about that. Yeah. I, um, I, I think that should be taken into consideration. I'll give a little bit of a pushback here. Please. Um, and, and it's just that, you know, there's a couple of things that have to be taken into to consideration. One, not not every position um, in, in my mind is a, you know, career. 
right? You know, there, there are some positions that are entry level. I mean, I, I don't think, and I don't think you'd do this either. But I mean, your your interns or your you know part time people, you're not expecting them on that wage to raise a family um, sure. because that's not what that job is designed for. That job is designed to always be temporary. You should be in that job for a little while until you catch a promotion. Um, so I think that's part of it. But but the other thing too is we also have to be honest with um, with the margin, right? You know, if we're making you know a dollar of uh, you know, gross revenue off of our product, um, there's, there's a dollar's got to go around, you know, and if the lights cost this and, you know, the uh, cost of goods is, is that, you start chopping that up, you know, you can't give, you know, 50 cents of every dollar that the company makes on the gross, you know, top line, again, I don't want to go back to our accounting class here, but, you know, the, the top line gross revenue, we can't give 50 cents to the, you know, the guy that's loading the boxes. Um, it's just, it, 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 there's an economics part to it too, I guess is what I'm saying here. Um, that, you know, as much as you hear, uh, you know, people and, and it, it's a hot button issue today, you know, clamor about, um, you know, workers rights and what's a fair wage and all that. I, I mean, I, I definitely understand that, but there's also an economics piece to it too, that, you know, you, you if you continue to raise the, uh, you know, there, there's just, Law of unintended consequences, right? If the the guy that is the you know entry level worker, it, it the more we increase his cost to the company, the more we increase his pay, the more we've got to increase the product. So he can't afford the product either. And I, I think we you know the one thing that I I would point to in the history of economics is is the fact that you know for years when when Ford and GM started, the the goal was that their employees that were building the cars would drive the cars, right? That, that you had an embedded market here. You would build the car, you would buy the car, you would drive the car. Uh, but there came a point when the cost of those employees got so much, they had to raise the price of the car so much that your average employee couldn't buy a brand new truck because you're making $30,000 a year and the truck's now 90 because you've got to pay for all these other benefits and things that are, that are promised out there. So, you know, again, that that's part of the things that, you know, when you're trying to catch this living wage standard, it's it, when inflation kicks in and the cost of the goods that you're trying to get them to purvey is running as fast or faster than you can raise them up in living wage. Uh, it becomes a, a difficult thing to do. Um, so that's the, you know, economics other side argument. However, I do not disagree that that absolutely we need to, to be prayerfully considering, you know, what what can we do? What is a fair wage? And, you know, uh, that, that's got to be part of the question, too, of, uh, you know, do we need to have a certain number of our workforce because that's all we can afford to pay? Because, look, you know, we, we think we can hire another guy at, at X, but, you know, really, why is living? So we're going to need to do it with 80% or 90% of the workforce of our peers, of our peer group, of our industry, um, because of that, and is you know, is that higher wage? Does that get you a better quality worker? Can you offset some of that? That everybody's going to have to work ten percent harder than they would if they were down the street at company. Again, I, I don't want to get too far down that tangent, but I, there's just a lot to consider there. It's not always as easy as they make it sound on a picket line. Uh, I, I don't have any idea what the what the level is where a worker is exploited. And, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to try to throw out a number or make a judgment on that. And 
And and I would think, you know, I think you and I would both agree that, that that number is vastly different in different environments across the globe. But <clears throat> I would only say that there is a number where a worker is being exploited. There, there, there is a number where um, we are withholding wages, in my judgment. And, and I don't think that that number has anything to do with what the state mandated minimum wage is. And so we, and I'm not saying it's higher or lower. I'm just right. saying that it's, it would be absurd to think that the state is going to make that decision on behalf of the Christian business owner. That, that would be, that, that's right. So I think we all have got, we all have to, uh, to think about those questions seriously. The other part of the question that you asked was, you know, does sometimes you have to, to, to lay off employees and that's, you know, that's, painful and, and difficult. Um, but it's one of those places where the economic reality and the, and the, our ideals um, come into, come into conflict. Ideally, we would want somebody that works hard to never have to have that issue. Right. Um, but the economic realities is sometimes that happens. Um, I would only say that, that if, if we are a Christian in, in those decision-making, um, I, I hope that the Christians making those decisions, that it is a decision of last resort and that it is a, a, that's not ever taken lightly and that there is some um, prayerful accommodation that tries to make the process, make a painful process as pain, you know, uh, to ease it somewhat in some manner. Uh, whether that is some kind of severance or whether that is some kind of job plate replacement, you know, kind of whatever. You know, there's, there's, there's things that you can do if you, if you um, care about it and you think about it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I do think that a, a casual dismissal of the workforce is a problem um, because if you are in these HR kind of decisions, every one of these decisions involves somebody's life and ultimately involves somebody's family and somebody's soul. And, and so just to think about it, any of them casually or just from an economics perspective is dangerous. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm going to kind of add in what, uh, unfortunately, friends, uh, I get a lot of times um, from my conversations with Michael Ray when we're debating very difficult issues, um, that this is his, I think, go-to line is as long as you're struggling with it, you're on the right path. And, and I think I think that's right. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of that, that there's not a rock solid concrete answer. Um, but I, I think if you're if you're in Romans seven, you know, I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do a wretched man than I am. But grace, thanks be to God that there's grace. If that's the, the kind of con inner conflict you have, I think that's healthy. I think that's good. I think that's you know, that's how you know you're on the right path. If you laid off 25% of your workforce and you sleep like a baby tonight, I, I don't know you did it right. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. I, said, I don't know that, that you did it right. Well said. Okay, my friend. Here's, here's, here's one that is, uh, I don't know, hope it's not too hyper relevant. We're not trying to follow the <laughs> news cycle here, but, but I think it is maybe something that we think about in HR. We hear read a lot about in HR is, do businesses have a scriptural, do businesses have a moral obligation for diversity in the workforce? So, uh, you know, the, 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 the scriptural, the moral, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that, that I ever see that laid out, um, you know, other than there are scriptures that talk about, um, you know, taking care of the stranger and the foreigner as they come in. So, so you've got some of that in the Old Testament. 
You've got, uh, you know, in Galatians, you know, we see that, that we're all the same. It doesn't matter, slave or free, Greek, Jew, you know, that God sees us all as exactly the same. So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to try to talk about diversity when God says, I see all you guys the same. So I think that that's an interesting idea, too, is that should we look at it as diversity um, or should we look at it that everybody's exactly the same? It's, you know, I, that it, it's not that issue. I think sometimes you know, we get, get caught down this path of, um, you know, wanting to, you know, and you, you hear about this in business that, that if there's these token seats, you're not really hiring talent. It's, you know, Hey, we need a woman or we need somebody with a certain ethnicity to check a box, but it becomes a puppet position as opposed to, you know, real leadership. Here's, I, I told you, I went, I went down the wishing well, here's what I think we should do. Uh, in First Kings chapter 5, really through chapter 9, you have the building of the temple of God. You know, so, so some of you are kind of familiar with that story. Here's what I find that's interesting when God is building his house, or Solomon's really the GC, if you will, for building the house of the Lord. You know what they did? They went and got the best people for every position. And you know what? Those people weren't Jews. They went and got the timbers men that, that cut and mold from Laban. They went and brought in bronze workers from Tyre and Sidon, which, again, if you read a little bit later in your minor prophets, are horrible people that God ends up wiping out. So you see over and over and over in 1 Kings 5 through 10 that in, when God built his house, he went and got the best people for the job. And, and it didn't matter whether they were Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. He went and got them. And Solomon, in his wisdom, made sure that they were all fairly compensated. And as he talked to the king of, of Tyre and the, and the king of these other places, you know, they worked out and negotiated what the fair wage was for his workers that he sent, for the materials that they procured. But I found that just really, really interesting in, in looking at this as – you know, you would think, you know, again, a, a casual student of your Old Testament history is, no, God would have just used the best in the tribes of Israel, right? He would have had those of, you know, Gad and Asher and Ephraim, like those would be who we would pick from. No, no, he didn't. Because they had, you know, peace for the first time in a long time, um, and Solomon had relationships all around, what God did was what was best is, use the best people for the job. I think that's what we have to do. Um, regardless of what that person looks like, whether they're, you know, uh, black or white or Hispanic or male or female or uh, all of that, you know, to me, it's the best person for the job every time. And what you get when you look for the best person for the job and you look, you know, all over the place for the best person for the job, what you find is that that best person may it probably doesn't, you know, look like you, because if they look like you and thought like you, you would do the job. But what we need is somebody to balance that, right? We need outside ideas. It's, um, you know, to kind of tell, you know, on us a little bit, you know, I, in Michael's business, I've got, I, I know enough really to be dangerous and distrib distribution, middle market, C-store, all that stuff. I know enough to be dangerous, but it's interesting how many times him and I have conversations where I'm, just the outside guy 
that he's throwing a problem at. I'm like, hey, if you think about this, just think about that. That's kind of what we do here where I'm at. And the same thing, when I bring him problems or issues, kind of how would you handle that? Because he's not working in a bank, hadn't worked in a bank, hadn't done those things. But it's, it's that outside mind, that outside look, that outside ideology that can help us solve a lot of these problems. And when you bring in people that are really good at what they do, really good graphic designers or really good accountants or really good salespeople or, you know, whatever your project is, you know, it, to me, we shouldn't worry so much about what they look like, but more what they bring to the table. And if we do that, I think they're all going to look different because of, of where their specialties lie. So I, kind of long, long winded answer to that. But, but I think that that's, that's part of it is that we find the best people, you know, for the job. Here's another caveat I'm going to throw on the back of that. So there's 168 hours in a week, 24 sevens. If you back out the, you know, eight hours a day, we all sleep. Then 35% of our week so a little bit better than a third of our week is at work, okay? That, that's a big chunk. And, and out of that big chunk, do we want to spend that with sinners, to use the Pharisees' words? Do we want to spend that with people that don't look like us, that we might have some influence on? Or do we want to try to, you know, surround ourselves in a bubble where we don't have as much influence? You know, I, I think sometimes as as Christians, we we have these, you know, pharisaical ideas that, you know, we should only be surrounded by other Christians. Well, while there's some benefit to that, if all we're around is Christians, who are we going to convert? How, how are we going to expand the borders of the kingdom? How are we going to have influence on the world if all we do is hire us, if all we do is 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 is, is stay in our same you know, bubble here. Um, I, I think if we're going to spend a third of our lives around these people and a third of our lives for, you know, the next 40 or 50 years, depending on how old you are right now, I, I think we, we've got to have the opportunity to influence them for good. We've got to have, and I'm not saying that, you know, the workplace we should hire for the purpose of converting. Please don't misunderstand me. I think we should hire, in the workplace, I think we should hire the best person for the job, regardless of what their background is. Secondly, I think that, you know, we should have influence on those that are around us. We should be salt and light. And if we as Christian business owners can't through what we're trying to do, through what we're implementing, through our practices, through our policies, through our procedures, if we're not reflecting God, if we're not an influence for the kingdom in their lives, I think we might be doing something wrong. I'm going, to, I'm going to put a pin in the question of should Christianity be a differentiator in uh, in the hiring process because we are going to talk about that because I think that's an it's an interesting question <clears throat> and I, I might I might uh, have a rebuttal to one of your comments there but I'm going to put that I'm going to put a pin in that for a minute. The the on on the issue of diversity I, I think that we basically would would agree that I'm not sure Christianity or, or diversity is a Christian mandate but it might be a result of Christian principles. Um, my, 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 and I think as long as we think about what diversity correctly is just a, a, um, a diversity of backgrounds and a diversity of opinions. I think that is more important to, to, um, 
to true kind of progress um, that um, at least as, as I would judge it. Remember, I, I, I think about that, that as much as you, your, your example from, from the book of First Kings is well taken, when, when Jesus was putting together his team, um, it was all male Jews of a pretty tight age range from Galilee. <laughs> you know, there, there was not as far as geographic or racial diversity. It, it was there, there wasn't a lot of it. There was a lot of there was a lot of diversity of background and thought. Um, you know, there was the the uh, Simon the Zealot and uh, Matthew the tax collector, um, which in in twenty twenty politics. I mean, there was MAGA and Black Lives Matter. Right. on the same team there. Um, and so there was, there was quite a bit of diversity of, of background and of opinion <clears throat> that all worked together. And, and, and so as long as we take seriously stuff like what James says about having no partiality, um, I, obviously I, I think we would agree that, you know, any, any hint of prejudice or uh, bigotry is just ungodly on its face. And as long as we have that uh, understanding that, uh, to your point, because because we believe those things and prejudice and bigotry are just ungodly on their face. If we are um, if we are handling our business in a Christian way, I think we end up with some diversity of thought, and uh, I think I think that that is important. You know, I don't. Again, uh, is there is there a mandate of quotas? I don't. I don't that that might be a, a business by business decision, and and there's a lot of these things we're going to talk about. That, you know, or from a business perspective, might make sense. And, and God would be, you know, uh, it's kind of irrelevant to Christianity. It's, it's, they're truly business decisions that don't have an impact one way or other. And, and that this may be this may be one of those things also. So uh, good, good conversation. So I'm going to go back to this question that you brought up uh, about um, trying to surround ourselves with the ungodly. At least that's how I'm going to uh, redefine your position. Uh, so. In, in, in the HR process, in the hiring, in the hiring process, looking for people to interview in the recruitment process, uh, should Christianity or morality be a factor? So here's, here's how I'm going to answer that. Um, morality, yes. Christianity, maybe. Um, you know, uh, in, anybody that we hire, especially in sensitive type positions, right? I, you know, I, I don't want somebody that's been a crook their whole life in the accounting department. Um, you know, I, I don't want somebody that um, has a history of, uh, of of lying or cheating or stealing, you know, filling out um, expense reports, right? I, I mean, there, there's certain things like that, that that you want to try to narrow down. You don't want to put them in positions to where the company's at risk or, or they themselves are at risk. So, so let's understand that a little bit. So I, I think, you know, from a moral standpoint, you know, you, you always want to try to hire, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, good people. I, 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 want, I want a good person. Um, I think Cornelius was a good person. He wasn't a Christian. He's a good person, though. It's good to be around. Um, you know, and, and, and others that, you know, we can grab throughout, you know, the Ethiopian eunuch. He's a, he's a good dude, but he didn't, didn't know what he was reading um, and, and, and led himself there. So there are good people people with good hearts, people that are, you know, good intentioned, um, that, that are also, you know, candidates for the gospel, I think. So good people, um, but maybe they're not Christians. And so I, I would kind of, you know, 
being in that line in that vein, um, you know, Christians, you would you would also assume, and and sometimes maybe we, we do this incorrectly, but sometimes we assume that that the Christian's the best thing for the job because he's going to come in or she's going to come in and they're going to work hard and they're going to do a good job because, you know, they're Christian. Well, there's Christians that that maybe their faith isn't good enough or, or they haven't spent enough time in the Word that they're not up to date on these principles. And, you know, it's, it's also a, a rough thing in the workplace when you hire a Christian, when you hire somebody maybe you've gone to church with, and they're worked under the table by a heathen, <laughs> you know, right? That, that makes, makes it very kind of difficult in the workplace too, right? Um, so again, I, you know, I'm going to fall back to you, you hire the best person for the job and you try to hire good people. And those that aren't Christians, you, influence, you hope that you have enough influence on their lives that you can, uh, you know, show them God, show them Jesus and let them make a decision. Your, your question, counselor. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let me slide back here. All right. So, um, all right. Uh, we're, we're getting close on time. So I'll, I'll leave you with, uh, let's, let's just try to back you into a corner here since uh, you said I surround myself with sinners. Uh, <laughs> you said, that, listen, I don't know what I said. listen, Jesus was accused of the same thing. So I'm okay um, <laughs> with your accusations. So how do you do this? How do you deal with um, highly productive employees? Um, you know, ones that are, that are, you know, just really good. They're rock stars, but they're terribly immoral. I mean, you know, they cuss, drink, fuss, fight, but man, if they're numbers. When you stack rank them, they are, you know, they're carrying the company in a lot of ways, but they're not great people. Um, you know, maybe they got hired before we put in the good person quota. But so, so what do you do with those? I mean, how do you how do you deal with that when they're really, really good on the business side and not great on the spiritual side? I thought about this a little bit um, when you when you warned me this question was coming. And I, I think this may be my shortest answer of the, of the whole. <laughs> this may be my shortest answer of the whole series is my hope would be that if we are, um, we've got any position of authority in our business, that we can create an environment so uncomfortable for that person that they decide that it's not for them. And I genuinely believe that. So let's, let's, let's I'm going to, I'm going to press on this. Okay. Please. So number one sales guy at your shop, led you know leads far and away is responsible for some stupid number of the business 25 percent of your overall business based on his relationships and you know if he goes across the street he's taking some of those relationships with him big relationships maybe you still want to run them off truth serum here you still want to run them off i i hope that the culture runs them off <laughs> I, I am not, I'm not saying we would fire him. I don't know that we would have that kind of guts, right? I don't, I, don't, I doubt that we would, but my, my real answer is over time, I think the culture runs them off. And, and I think that the, the company is better off because of it. That if we genuinely have a culture that's built on Christian principles, and by the way, I think we should, I think that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that somebody who is, uh, genuinely, truly, morally corrupt 
is is there's going to bristle at all that. It's going to it's going to create friction, and and it is going it's going to correct itself one or two ways. Either it's either it's going to uh, the the friction is going to grind on them until until the um, they make some changes, which happens, mm-hmm. um, or it's going to drive them away. And you know, I, I think that the short term view of that is or taking a short term view that that's devastating is the the germ of everything that's wrong with modern business. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 is a that is a short term. What is this quarter's year over year revenue rather than taking a ten year picture of all decisions? Um, so I, that, that's that's like that's my genuine answer. Spoken like a non-publicly traded company. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> happily, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm a little on the Warren Boat theory. I wish they would do earnings releases once every five years. I think we'd all be much better off. Um, but 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 genuinely, I mean that 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 is you know is, is it short term or long term thinking? And I think there's Christian principles behind long term thinking um, that that. Um, in in the long term, that's going to be it's going to be better for the business. It, it, and here here's the thing, uh, you know, th- this is absolutely a loaded question um, because he, my thing is, uh, I don't think that person exists because because somebody that's completely morally bankrupt is also going to bend rules, right? That that person is not going to live in the fully ethical area. You know, if, if you're morally bankrupt, if you'll do anything. And, and are, you know, riddled with immorality throughout the rest of your life, you're going to fudge an expense report. You're going to, you know, mislead some clients in sales. You're not going to be fully above board. All of those things are, are, are going to manifest in those ways. Um, you know, typically what, what you have, um, quite honestly, and, you know, from the sales back kind of as a sales manager hat, um, when, when I have those conversations with my boss, uh, you know, look, there's a certain amount of that we're going to allow because of the production. If you're producing at a very, very high level, we're going to let you mess up some stuff because we think it's worth it. Uh, we're just going to let you get away with it. Um, you know, if you add, you know, your patent expense reports or whatnot, even if I catch you, yeah, like their production's X, um, you know, pull that off of their production. They're, uh, they're still profitable to us. So we're going to keep going. So if you're in a publicly traded company where you're, you know, having to report to shareholders on a quarterly basis. Um, they're going to deal with that. I think when you are in control and we're in our, you know, mythical Christian run business where we're not reporting to shareholders all the time, I think you can be, um, you can be far more prescriptive in that stuff. I think you can advance the culture enough to, to make them uncomfortable. Um, but, but I think that's, you know, you maybe you get to a bend or break thing there. Maybe, maybe what happens is they start coming around the other way and see that, you know, hey, I kind of like this. You know, this is different. And maybe, you know, maybe they're, you know, they're saying 150 cuss words when they first start. But, you know, a year later, they're down to like 10. Um, you know, so maybe you start to see that, that growth, too. I, I don't know. I, I, I've seen that. Interestingly, on my team of, of guys that, that work around me and, and, you know, I've got um, 
in my business for whatever reason, um, and, and sales, especially when you're on commission and sales, um, a, a lot of, you know, drinking, gambling, cussing, immorality, it's just kind of part of the, the deal or whatever. But it's interesting when they're around me, when they're in my office, ah, you know, they, I, I find them biting their tongue, you know, breaking it off. Um, and a lot of reasons, you know, oh, you're a preacher. I can't be cussing in front of you. I'm like, no, you shouldn't cuss in front of me because you shouldn't cuss. Like it's, whether I'm a preacher, not doesn't have anything to do with it. But, you know, but I, I kind of see that influence in those small ways. Um, you know, if the whole corporate culture was that way, you know, to me, I think it would have have a big impact. I, I mean, I just can't imagine you got a lot of people running around driving the F-bomb and the C-suite at Modern, right? I just I can't imagine that, that, that that's something that would go on without getting a lot of raised eyebrows. Right. I just I think good cultures. I mean, we've we, we've experienced it a little bit and we're far from perfect. I don't want that, you know, by the way, right. but no, I, I think I've seen in, in, in Christian cultures, whether observing or being in them, the culture just chews that stuff up and spits them out. And it's, it is self-selecting and it, mm -hmm. and it, and it builds on itself because of that. Uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And, uh, and, and I think that, uh, tolerating or turning a blind eye or, oh, he's still productive. Man, I just think that's corrosive. <laughs> I do. And, and uh, I'd be, be hesitant about just tolerating it. God, we are uh, – I've got almost 8.30, so we are uh, out of time. And I'm sure um, there's not many people that are still listening at this point, unless you're listening for the second or third time and you've just paused it every time you've gotten out of the car. Uh, but for those of you who are still here to the end, uh, we appreciate you a bunch. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, next week, we're going to pick up, um, you know, we've still got a couple more questions. We may pick, pick this up a little bit too um, next yeah, week as we, uh, as, as we, you know, try to navigate through a lot of this stuff. A HR seems to be just a place where a lot of these ideologies get caught. So um, I, I think it'd probably be worth us spending at least another, uh, another session um, here at HR. So again, thank you for tuning in. Hope you have a uh, wonderful day wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And uh, hopefully we've given you some things to think about. Uh, if you have comments, questions, disagreements, flat out arguments, uh, text us, call us, email us, um, comment on these. We're, they'll be posted on the internets. Um, so uh, we're, we're happy to respond and, and see, if, uh, see if we can help out along the way. Fun as always, my friend. All right. Thank you all. God bless.